So here is um, John Elmer. He is uh, the Vineyard Super Regional <laughs> Leader, which he chose that title, and he loves it deeply. Did not. So you can refer to him as Super Regional. All right. Thank you, Sean. Uh, is this sounding all right? Okay, good. Uh, it's an honor to be here, to be invited to speak here. Um, Sean's introduction isn't exactly right. I am actually his parole officer. I'm here doing a checkup. Um, so if there's anything, just blink twice. We'll connect after, okay? Um, now, it is great to be here. And this search, you know, you guys are doing the stuff. You know, I just listened to the announcements, like, you know, helping people with their laundry, which is just so practical and needed. And, you know, housing for low income and fixing that up and just bringing the kingdom and praying for people. And uh, good stuff, man. I mean, you're having an impact from all I hear. And, and it's great. So keep it up. Well, uh, today I, I want to talk about uh, everybody gets to play. You know, most people want to get in the game. You know, we don't want to just watch and sit in the sidelines. People are having fun, they're engaged, and we want to be a part of it. You know, like, there's this one time, I, I, I was having a staff meeting, and I went to write on a whiteboard, and, you know, there's all these markers, and I grab one, and it's dead. And, like, that's, like, my pet peeve. Like, people use a white, you know, the, the marker at the whiteboard, and it's dead, and what do they always do? What do you do? What do I do? Put the cat back on and put it down there, right? So there's like 17 dead markers and three that work, you know, and you're going. And so I grab this marker. I'm just ticked at it, and I just take it, and there's a garbage can at the other end of the room. I went, pop, and I threw it, and it goes in, the garbage. I'm like, yes, high fives everywhere, you know. I'm all excited. And, of course, one of the guys on staff go, oh, I could do that. And I go, go ahead. Let's see what you got, right? And so he goes over, he gets a mark, goes over, and, and, and he tries, and he hits it too. And now everybody in the room wants to get in. They're all fighting to get up there to get a marker. And everybody wanted their, their turn to take a shot. Everybody wants to get in the game, to play, to be a part of it. And I think that's especially true when we're talking about the move of God. The kingdom of God coming, the supernatural breaking down, the, the, the presence, the peace, the joy, the, the grace, the restoration, the, the, the newness of the king around. You know, in the vineyard, we have this long-held value that everybody gets to play. That means it's not just the, the man of God or the woman of God from up front. It's all of us get to play. You know, you may have been walking with Jesus for decades, or you may be brand new. You get to get in the game. You may be old or young, educated, uneducated. You know, uh, men, women, everybody gets to be in the game. Every one of us. Now, why is that? Well, here's my first point as I explain why. First, we've all been made to play. Let me read you something um, from the scriptures. It is uh, right in the beginning. Now, this is the word of God. This tells us what happened. And this is a glimpse of what happened in the beginning. 
It said, so God created humanity in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. I want you to understand, each one of us are made in the image of God. We are a reflection of God. We are an echo, if you will, of God. That what he's like is generally what we've been to be like. And, and the perfect example of that is Jesus. You know, God the Son, the second person of the Trinity, God in flesh, shows us exactly what it would look like to live a perfect human life like God would do it. And you look at Jesus as this perfect reflection of, of the image of God in flesh, and you notice that he gets his hands dirty. He's in the game. I mean, the fact that first he just he, he comes from the, the throne of heaven to step down in humanity, to take on human flesh, and all the, the tough, difficult things of being a human, he engages because he wants to get in the game to show us his love and to serve us and to bring redemption. And so he walks this earth, and he's hungry, and he's, he's tired, and he you know, uh, has to deal with grief and, and joy and all the things of life. And he touches the sick. And he, he, he washes feet. And he gets into the game of redemption so much that he goes to the cross and allows himself to be brutally murdered to pay for our debt. I mean, he's in the game completely. It goes on to say, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. This is the first command that God gives to humanity. And it's basically, serve. Get your hands dirty. Step out. Lead. Build. And he, and he blesses them when they do that. You know, and this is all through the scriptures, but I love where it's at in, um, in this one spot in the New Testament that really um, communicates it clearly. It's in Ephesians. And Paul, again, inspired by the Holy Spirit, writes this. For we are God's handiwork. Now, that word handiwork, actually, in the original Greek, it can be translated masterpieces. That we are these, these masterpieces, these incredible works of God. For we are God's handiwork each one of us. Now, I want you to think about it. When I read this and I, I meditate on this, I kind of have this picture of Jesus. He's in heaven, right? And he's like, man, I want to create you. And he's thinking about you. And he, I only sit this picture of him going into his workshop, putting on his big, you know, leather apron and sits down at his work desk for a little bit and just dreams and thinks about this amazing masterpiece he wants to make. And he gets his idea and he goes, yes. 
And he goes, he's got all these, these cabinets and drawers, and he reaches up and he grabs, pulls out this one drawer, these, these spiritual gifts. And, and he goes over here and grabs these talents and this personality type. And, you know, maybe, you know, this skin color. Uh, and he grabs a drawer and he grabs this height. And I know when he did it and grabbed me, just at that moment, he sneezed. And some of my height drew, and he said, I'll get that later, but he forgot. But he puts it all together, and he, he looks at it. This masterpiece, this creation, it's you. And he goes, oh, wow. Oh, my goodness. This is so good. And he runs out in excitement of what he just created. And he yells, hey, come over here. Uh, you know, Gabriel, come over here. Michael, roll your boat over here. Come here. Check this out. And they look. And they go, oh, man. Jesus, this is amazing. This one, this, this one, this is a masterpiece. This is tied for the best one you ever made. And Jesus going, yeah, I know, isn't it? Isn't she? Isn't he? You were created this, this masterpiece. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. That is masterpieces when we connect with Jesus. When he gives us his Holy Spirit, it, it supersizes, it releases in us this, this, this call, this, this gifting, this, this empowerment to do these good works which God prepared in advance for you to do. That there's a calling, a purpose that God has given you. When he created you, it wasn't just for kicks and giggles. It's for co-laboring with him for the transformation of this planet. You have a calling. Now, I'll tell you what. When I, when I preached this verse, and over the 30-plus years I was at the Syracuse Vineyard, I preached this one a lot because I think it's really important. And every time I talked about this, and I'm guessing right now in this room, as I talk about this, you, there's some of you that there's an uneasiness. There's maybe even a frustration. Maybe an anger a little bit. Like, like okay, I was made and you know, God made me. I'm a masterpiece. But, and I got this call, but I don't know what my call is. I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know what exactly I'm supposed to be doing. What did God make me for? That's a good question. It's an important question. And I think there's like frustration when that comes up is because we realize we've been created for something. And I think there's an, a helpful little tool to help us begin to grab a hold of what it might be. I got this from a, a, a pastor in the Midwest years ago. He uses phrase that we need to find our holy discontentment. Our holy discontentment. Holy means set apart, it means given by God, this sense of, of uh, it, it's, it's important, it is valued. 
it is, it is this gift from God, this holy discontentment, discontent, like you're not settled, it doesn't feel good, you're, you, 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 you need, something needs to change, you're discontent with, with what exists now. Holy discontentment, it comes up in all kinds of ways. Somebody, you know, you may drive down the road and see, you know, people without homes. And you might look at that and for some, it's like, man, that's too bad. Like, yeah, it sucks. And you just keep driving. And then there might be somebody that sees that. And it stirs their heart. And there's this, this, this thing that rises up that says, you know, what is going on here? This shouldn't be like this. You know, we're a wealthy country where there's all these kinds of resources. These are human beings, and they don't have a place that's, that's safe to rest at night and, and to have, you know, be able to grow and prosper. Like, this is wrong, and some, somebody's got to do something about this. That's a holy discontentment. For some of you, you may see or read about the education system. And you realize that the level of your education often depends on what your zip code is. And some will be like, yeah, that's less life, that's business, that's a world. And some, it may grab your heart and say, that is not fair, that is not right, that is not just, that's not the way God wants it. That isn't, we, we need to help educate everybody at a, at a, a high level. And it just rips you apart, and you get fired up. You say, that's somebody has to do something about it. That might be about your holy discontentment. You may hear about places on this globe that there's not one believer in Jesus, in a whole language group. Somebody says, oh, yeah, huh. But it may tear you up, or, or you see the sick, or, or you see people who deal with, 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 with addictions, or you know, the trouble of, of poverty, or uh, you know, racial reconciliation, or, or salvation, or all the biblical knowledge. It, it, everybody, there's something that stirs you up at a level that's kind of more than anybody around. That's your holy discontentment. And as you find that, it points you to what you've been created for in Christ Jesus. See, we're made to play, to serve others. And our holy discontentment lights us up and leads us in the way we've been created. You know, to serve others, to get in the game, actually makes us healthier. The Bible teaches it, you know, teaches us what we're to do. And I love it when the social scientists study human behavior. And at their years of study, they come back and they have the exact principles in the word of God. See, this book is real and true, made by our creator. And this whole thing about serving being better for you. Every study that's ever been done on it points this. Let, let me read you a couple things from studies. Uh, from the a Canadian National Survey of Giving and Volunteering, done in 2020. Now, I know, you know, um, 
Canada seems far off, but I'm from Syracuse. It's only an hour away. So I'm practically Canadian, so I get to read this thing, you know. They said this. This is what their findings said. Volunteering leads to great life satisfaction and lower rates of depression. Those who volunteered reported higher levels of happiness, life satisfaction, self-esteem, a sense of control over life, and physical health. Researchers have also found that when patients with chronic or serious illness volunteered, they received benefits beyond what can be achieved through medical care. The University of Nevada did a study. They found this, and if you have kids, listen very carefully to this. Youth who volunteer just one hour or more a week are 50% less likely to abuse alcohol, cigarettes, become pregnant, or engage in other destructive behavior. Volunteering has future As an old guy like me, these are good findings. If you figure you're going to get old sooner or later, listen to this. Retired men who serve one day a week live two and a half times longer than men who don't. We've been made to serve. We're created in God's image. My second point is, Jesus wants us to impact others. It's not just activity, but meaningful activity. It's kingdom work. It's partnering with what, the, what God is up to, what the Holy Spirit is doing, and to do it with him. We're called to serve our king and the people he loves. He wants us to impact others. Listen, listen to this. This is from Matthew. And he's teaching disciples, Jesus was. And if Jesus was here teaching... He would look out at this crew just like he looked out at that crew and most likely would say some of the exact same things. And I think he would say this to you and me, the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker, just average people. He looked them in the eyes and he said, you are the salt of the earth. Now salt has real impact. Salt preserves. If some kind of meat is rotting, you salt it. It stops the, and slows down the rotting process. It allows life to have new impact. That's a big deal. Salt. Salt flavors things. Salt enriches the experience. Have you ever eaten popcorn without salt? Let me put it more clearly. Have you ever eaten cardboard without salt? Same thing as popcorn, right? If you put salt on it, man, it's like, you can't end it. You got to get to the bottom of the bucket, right? Because it tastes so much better. It flavors. You, you are the salt of the earth. You're supposed to have that kind of impact on Reading, on your family, on your neighborhood, where you work, in your school. He also looked at his crowd and he said, you know what? You 
are the light of the world. A light. Lights illuminates. Light shows the way. Light brings clarity. Light brings comfort. I, I think light often chases away fear. Light has huge impact. You and I are to have impact in different places. Some light impact what it comes in contact with. And when we do that, we can change the world. Like, <clears throat> when we get in the game, we will impact other people. Let me tell you about Joe. Joe goes to Syracuse Vineyard. About 20 plus years ago, Joe had just retired. He came to my office and he was like, man, John, there's this, there's this incredible hunger problem, you know, right in our, in our neighborhood, in our area. I go, huh? And Joe, Joe's like, yeah. Like, you know, I, I'm running to people who don't have enough money to get groceries and kids at the skip meals. And it, it's, just, it's just not right. Like, we need to do something about it. Like, there are hungry kids within driving distance, within walking distance of our building. And that shouldn't be. So, well, Joe, what should we do? Now, I've got to tell you. Well, Joe says, you need to feed them. So what do you th- how do you think we'll do that? He says, well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to start using all the coupons I can ever find. I'm going to buy doubles of everything. I'm going to get some of my friends, and we're just going to buy some groceries. Can we, can we put them here and just you know, distribute them out of here? And I said, sure. And Joe begins to do that. Now, Joe, I, I got to tell you, honestly, Joe's a nice guy. Joe was just, uh, he was just like a, a kind of a simple, uh, he, he made toys. He was a toy maker. And he's just a simple guy. And never look at him as like a leader or anything. But Joe began to do that, began to ask his friends. And they began to do more. And it started growing momentum. And, and he, he found out about the Central New York Food Bank and contacted them and began to get food from them and, and literally grew this incredible food pantry up in our church. Like It was our biggest ministry. It had 60, 70 people involved in it. We're serving all kinds of families, pouring out. It was, it was incredible. In fact, he made it so good that it became one of the model food pantries. Like uh, the food bank, when churches or places would want to start a food pantry, they'd send them to our place to be trained. Well, then the pandemic hit. And, you know, in Syracuse, it, it, was, it hit really hard. And, in fact, I did five COVID funerals in that season. And it was, it was intense. And all these food pantries around Syracuse closed because they were older people. They were afraid. They just wanted contact. And so the food bank comes to us, comes to Joe, and says, will you start some new food pantries? We're a multi-site church. So we start three new food pantries a month into COVID. And Joe trains us, and we do his system. And these three food pantries just, we're giving out a ton of food. I mean, we literally give out last year 
enough meals to give everybody in our county at least one meal. We're probably the biggest dis- dis- distributor. Distributor? No. Distributor. Refrigerator. <laughs> the biggest distributor of food in our county. And here's Joe. He's like upper 80s now. And Joe, he walks with a walker, and this is him running across the room, you know. He's in the middle of it, still serving. Joe Buckman got in the game, and thousands of people eat every day because of him. We're made to play. When we get into the game, we will impact others. But, and here's my third point. You need to step in faith. Like, I'm guessing that God is stirring some in this room, and it is bigger than you are. God calls you to stretch. God calls you oftentimes to leap. God calls us to things that we can't accomplish without him. And so it's scary and it's hard. And when we begin to do kingdom work and it's all kinds of stuff, praying for the sick, or trying to get prophetic words, or caring for the poor, or fighting for justice, or going across cultures to, to, to give the gospel, or try to engage and bring racial reconciliation into a community. Whatever it is, this kingdom work, we need kingdom power. We need Jesus' presence in our life moving through us. Let me, um, let me talk about a story that, um, that is in the Gospel of Mark. I'm sorry, i got to find it. It's in the book. I know it's in the book. I should have this, shouldn't I? I got it now. Um, it's a story that happened in Jesus' life. So let me explain the, the situation. Jesus just heard that his cousin was brutally murdered by King Herod, had his head cut off. And Jesus, just like us, you know, would have felt incredible grief. And so it tells us that he, he wanted to go to a, a quiet place. And he was doing ministry and stuff and kind of shuts it down and they get in a boat to go to a quiet place. But somehow people figured out where he was going and they ran ahead of him. And so when they get this place that was supposed to be quiet where he could process the grief and the loss, there's this crowd. And it tells us that he was moved by compassion. And so he begins to minister. And I imagine he's 
he's preaching the gospel and telling about the incredible grace that God has for people and the, the love that he has. And, you know, he's, he's healing the sick and, you know, probably speaking prophetic words into people's life. And the kingdom is coming and it's this incredible thing and the crowds grow and nobody wants to leave. And then I pick up the story. But by this time, it was late in the day. And so his disciples came to him. They said, this is a remote place, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. You see, his disciples, the apostles, they saw a problem. Look at these guys, it's getting late. They're going to have to walk home. It's, it's a long way. There's no 7-Eleven to go stop at. There is, it's dangerous. Jesus, you know, you, we need to do this. You need to do something. Somebody needs to fix this problem. Send them home. So they see the problem. But Jesus turns them when they see the problem. He says, you give them something to eat. He invites them into the game. He invites them to solve this problem with him. Well, they say to him, that'd take more than a half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give, it, give them something to eat? I mean, think about it. I, I always picture this as Matthew, right? He's a CPA. He's the accountant. He looks around, give us something to eat. Like, he looks around, he's got just a math in his head. He's like, 5,000 men, it says. We don't even know how many women and children. Five to 10,000 people, right? He just does quick math. We get a caterer. It's going to cost this, da-da-da-da, $8 a head. Let's, let's more rice, less meat. Maybe we get it for $7. He's doing it all, right? Going, this is going to cost us a half a year wages. We got this little bag of coins. It's impossible. But Jesus pushes a little bit. Again, he gives them to get in the game. How many loaves do you have? Go and see. Now, we read over that, and we think, oh, that would be easy. You're like, they come back, and they got this answer, right? But it's not that easy. There's this hungry mob. They're traveling preachers. They don't really know anybody. And they got to go in and try to figure out who's got food. Like, you imagine you go in a crowd and, like, Hey, uh, what's in your backpack? You know, hey, do I smell Doritos over here? You got some Doritos? Yeah, everybody's trying to think they're coming to Bogart their food, right? But somehow they figure it out and they go around and they come back with, they have to do some research. And they come back with this answer. We have five loaves and two fish. Now, I want you to picture this. When I read this, I, I try to put things in, in, in terms I'd understand. I think they basically have what would be equivalent of two 12-inch tuna fish Subway subs. Right? Like, that's what the belt they got. And so they come back, oh, yeah, we got these subs. Like, what's this going to do? Then Jesus directed them. Notice, too, he puts them to work to do research to come up with some resources, even though it's not enough resources to solve the problem. 
Then Jesus directed him to have all the people sit down in groups in the green grass. So he sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, Jesus gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples as tribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. We read that and say, hey, man, that's pretty good, but I want you to think about this for a minute, right? He's got these two subs. And I just imagine the crowd's out there, and, and the apostles are kind of circled around Jesus, like, okay, here you are, what are you going to do? And Jesus prays. Like, hey, Dad, we're about to have a meal. Really could use your power right now. and Just do your stuff. And I just imagine he takes these loaves, the sub, and he takes one, he, he rips it in half and hands it to, like, Philip. says, here, Philip, go feed over there. And I want you to put yourself in Philip's sandals for a minute. He's got his back to the crowd, and Jesus hands him a six-inch sub at this point. And go feed that crowd. Now, I've thought about this a lot. I thought about, what would I do? Tell you what, first of all, I would hide that six-inch sub. I'd turn around, and I'd pray probably one of the greatest prayers in the history of the world. Probably all of you have prayed at one time or another. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, God. And he starts walking out, just like, what am I going to do? Well, I saw Jesus pray. He probably prayed, God, like, help me. I've got to feed this crowd. He goes over to the crowd, and I, I just imagine, kind of hidden. He goes, hey, he rips off a little bite. You want something to eat? The guy's like, you know, just a little rip from this. Goes to the next guy, hey, want something to eat? Rips him a little bite. Gets to the next guy. And this guy, this guy's a big guy. This guy looks really hungry. This guy leads a, a donkey cycle group, right? He just looks mean and angry. And, and, and he says, give me a big piece. And Phil's going, sure, sir, sure, whatever you say. And he rips off a bigger piece and gives it to him. Ah! And the next person, it's this mom, three kids all crying because they're hungry. Philip looks down and goes, I got to give these kids. He looks down at the sub. Instead of being just like three inches at this point, he looks down. And it's like still six inches. He goes, huh. And and he, he grabs a bigger piece and says, here you go, son. And here you go. And here you go, and gives the three kids, and looks down, and it's still six inches. And he goes to the next guy, goes, hey, you want some sub? And he hands it. And he goes, you know, now he, he looks down, it's still six inches. He says, who's hungry? You know, and he starts ripping off pieces, and he's going, and passing, he's doing it behind the back and under the leg. Hey, you, I'm back. You know, he's throwing pieces. I mean, he's feeding all these people. And every time he rips off a piece, somehow, in some way, the power of God has come, and that six inches is still six inches. And in faith, he keeps ripping it off and feeding his crowd. 
And at the end, it wasn't like Jesus was, had to make sure everything was tidy. He wasn't a neat freak as far as I can figure out. But he has him pick it up, and Philip comes back, literally, in his area with a whole basket full of scraps. And just Jesus saying, Booyah, I told you, right? He did this. And hunger for that moment in that crowd had ended. What is your holy discontentment? What is your holy discontentment? It's not a rhetorical question. It's an incredibly important question for each of you. For some of you, you may know it, and you may be already up to your elbows in it. But I have no doubt there's some of you who God is stirring in right now, bringing some situation up, bringing a person up, bringing a, a, a system up, something that, that just eats at you. you know that God is stirring in you to be part of the kingdom solution in that area. What is your holy discontentment? I'm going to ask you to, to make a step this morning. To make a step of faith in front of your community. More importantly, responding to what the Holy Spirit is stirring in you. Some of you know that God is stirring in you this, this call, this purpose. He's asking you to get in the game. So right in a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand up where you're at. To say yes, to respond yes, I'm doing that. And then we're going to pray for you. So if that's you, stand up right now. God is calling you to get in the game. I want to thank you first for your courage to respond to what the Spirit is doing. So I'm going to ask those, if you're not standing, just get around, gather around, lay hands and pray. And I'm going to lead a prayer up in front. And as we pray, if you get a sense from the Holy Spirit, share that. So make sure everybody that stood has somebody praying for them. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for stirring in these women and men who are saying yes to what you want to do. I thank you that you created them with this purpose, that you filled them with gifts, talents, that you're stirring passion in them. And I pray, Holy Spirit, to release that in them. I pray for the gift of faith. I pray for a boldness in whatever area you're stirring in them that there would be a new level of courage 
a new level of passion. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would give clarity that this would be a marker in their life of what steps forward. I pray for even as, as, as you did that with Joe 20-something years ago, and there's still waves of people being impacted by that, I pray for that kind of longevity in this group. I pray for, for, for success. I pray for, for, for fruitfulness. I pray that the kingdom would come in this, this corner of what you're calling them to do. And even right now, I just pray you give them pictures of the first step. Give them faces of real people. Speak to him, Lord. And if you're praying, if you have sons from the Lord, go ahead and, and pray that over them. Now to him who is able to do more than we even ask or imagine, to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, I just pray that there would be incredible fruit the grot of the seeds that were planted, what the Spirit is doing in your soul today. Amen. All right, hold on now. We're still, we got one more step. Uh, thank you, John. Um, we're going to take... Hello. Uh, I was in India once, and uh, when I was preaching, there was a power surge. It was by far one of the craziest things I've been a part of. <laughs> it was so loud. I was like, whoa, <laughs> Jesus is coming back right now. Here we go. Um, whatever it is that God deposited in your heart, right, I encourage you to write it down i encourage you to share it with somebody else right like hey man this happened i felt this i saw this i experienced this that's what the community's for the brothers and sisters in christ right tell somebody let them know write it down we're going to do communion we do this every sunday reason being is that th these are the signs of the covenant that christ left us with that the cracker represents his body and that the wine represents his blood. Covenant, meaning that he is with us. We take this, we eat it because Christ is within us. We do this regularly because we're goofy and we need to do it on a regular basis because we need reminders of the covenant that he has left with us. So the way that we do this if you are a follower and believer of Christ, or if you would like to start following Jesus today, then the communion table is open to you. We come down the center aisle, we grab a cracker, you dip it into the wine, and then you go around the sides like this so we have a good flow. We hold on to it together, and then we'll all partake of communion together. So if you would like to take communion, please come on up.
Jesus, we thank you for being born, for coming to the people that you created, for being one of us, for living amongst us, for demonstrating the kingdom of God, and then for dying on our behalf, then uh, being raised from the dead and now sitting at the right hand of the Father. We thank you that we are in you and you are in us and that you've planted seeds in us that we get to be in the game and that we get to demonstrate and experience your kingdom. We thank you. Let's partake. Why don't we stand? I'm going to pray a prayer blessing over us. If you did want to come forward and receive prayer for anything that you have going on, emotionally, physically, spiritually, uh, we would love for you to come down and in front here, and we would lay hands on you and pray for you. Um, if not, then I'm just going to, again, bless us, and we can go on our day. Lord, we thank you for this time to be able to gather. We thank you for being able to worship you and for this timely word. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would open our eyes to see you, uh, to be able to know how you feel about us, that we would be filled, we would be empowered to not only experience your kingdom, but also to be able to demonstrate it. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would fill us and empower us to do the things that you've called us into to get into the game. And so we thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.